Ah, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host right here for the WSN podcast each and every week. And in fact, this week, because it is that special time of the year with playoffs and tournaments and all kinds of excitement in the high school sports realm, we're going to have two versions of the WSN podcast. Tomorrow on Thursday, we're going to preview the boys' basketball playoffs and tournament with Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer, uh, get his uh, his take on things, run through a division-by-division division, uh, preview, uh, just kind of uh, get get everything going as the playoffs for boys basketball get underway next week. However, this week is the one of the uh, real crown jewels of the high school sports scene in the state of Wisconsin, and that is the individual wrestling state championships held at the Cole Center Thursday through Saturday, uh, March of Champions on Saturday, uh, an incredible event, uh, followed by the championship matches, six mats going Thursday and Friday at a time, three mats going at a time on Saturday. And to break it all down, today on the WSN podcast, we're going to bring in our wrestling contributor all season, Nate Wolfel. Nate, how you doing? Doing well, Travis. Excited to talk some wrestling with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the first time that, that we've chatted for the podcast, maybe or at least for uh, this year. Um, but certainly want to get uh, kind of a big overview of the wrestling state tournament, the individual wrestling tournament that's coming up here, the 77th annual wrestling tournament. Uh, we'll kind of run through some of the divisions and uh, weight classes and, and get your thoughts on some of those uh, in a bit. But I, I want to take a look at kind of some higher level uh, topics, first of all. And uh, to begin with, let's go back to sectionals. And uh, in, are there any surprises that did not make it to state out of sectionals or even regionals? Um, any, anyone, any highly ranked wrestlers, anyone that really stood out as a surprise not to be wrestling at Madison this week? You know, I don't want to go so far to say as it went chalk. Uh, but I would say that there weren't any huge shocks in terms of who didn't make it. I think there were a couple notable results um, that are going to play out and are going to be interesting to see um, play out at the Cole Center, hopefully if we see rematches this weekend. And one of them I want to highlight is in D2 at 145 pounds, uh, University of Wisconsin commit Aiden Medora earlier in the year lost to freshman Braden Scholes at a tournament, a tournament called the TKO. Um, and a freshman knocked him off, and I believe it was only the fifth loss. It was a... Um, a very small number of losses for Medora in his career. He's a three-time state finalist, a two-time champ, and has not been knocked off very often uh, during his high school days. He lost to, to Skulls. Those two actually met at sectionals, and Medora got his revenge, but only beat him by a point. And I think they, I think that sets up for hopefully what we see as a wonderful state finals match um, in Division Two at 145 pounds because um, they are on opposite sides of the bracket. Um, Skulls being the sectional runner-up falls um, on the on the front part of the lower portion of the bracket. And then because Medora is the sectional champ, he actually gets a bye in the first round and is on the upper half of the bracket. Um, so those two could meet in the state finals. I think that was a notable result that it wasn't necessarily impacting somebody not making it, um, but something that's going to be a storyline as we move forward. And there were a couple guys uh, looking throughout the rankings, some, some top-ranked wrestlers who fell in their sectional matches, in their sectional title matches, or at some point during their individual tournament last Saturday. Um, but 
but I believe most of those, um, a couple of those top guys or most of those top guys actually managed to punch their ticket to state one way or another. So not tons and tons of huge surprises in terms of people missing, but there were definitely interesting results. You talked about that rematch uh, at 145, and and that's going to be my next question. What are some of the best potential rematches that we could see at the state tournament? Rematches of uh, matches during the regular season or in some of the uh, incredible in-season tournaments that are are, uh, held throughout the year? Uh, There are two I definitely would highlight in terms of rematches because if they would play out, uh, they'd be rematches to the 2019 state finals. Um, And those, as I am looking at my notes here, those would occur, uh, one in D1 would be Coney Minor of Ashwabana and Tyler Gable of McGuanago. Um, They were the D1 113-pound state championship match last year. Uh, Minor was the victor in that case. And then in D3, uh, last year's 106-pound final between Tanner Gerber of Cameron and Remington Bontrager of Lancaster um, could play out at 113 pounds this year. Um, uh, Gerber was the winner a year ago. Um, and just like the previous match I mentioned, the earliest that these two could meet would be in the state finals should they both uh, win out and stay on the championship side of the bracket till Saturday. It is possible with losses and how things get rearranged. They could meet sooner than that on the consolation side. Um, but speaking strictly from the championship perspective of the bracket, um, those four could only meet up in the state finals. And I think that is definitely uh, those will definitely be two matches to keep an eye on. All right. So going beyond just rematches. What are some of the best potential, and we always use the best, or the word potential, so we don't upset anybody uh, yes. when we talk about playoffs and you know matchups potentially in the boys' basketball tournament, football playoffs, whatever. So we'll, we'll emphasize potential here as well, but best potential matches that we could see at state. I think, man, and part of what I'm, I know that this is kind of a Switzerland answer to start, but I promise I'm going to get into a real answer here. But the, my favorite part of state is that the ones that turn into barn, a lot of the matches that turn into barn burners or the ones you remember leaving the Cole Center on Saturday night saying, man, what a tournament. Do you remember that match from back on Thursday or Friday night in the semifinals or this, these crazy things happen? A lot of those matches aren't the ones you'd expect. Um, and that's what makes them that. That's what brings that energy and that awesome memories that you all of a sudden you look up at the scoreboard, it's hectic with six mats going, you know, and a lot of great wrestlers. You're talking the best 560 wrestlers in the state, all in one building. And all of a sudden you look up at the scoreboard and go, wait, that can't be right. Like that. And then all of a sudden you watch the, you catch as much of that match as possible. And it becomes one of the most memorable matches of the entire tournament. And I think to me, um, that is part of the exciting part of state. In my opinion, um, looking at a couple of, to actually answer your question, what you're actually looking for. Um, I look at D1-126. It's been a very um, solid weight class, very top-heavy all year. I think there are definitely some potential matchups looming. You've got Hayden Halter of Waterford, two-time state champ. He's 43-2 and two this year. Um, he's going to have his work cut out for him to be number three, uh, or to win number three, I should say. Uh, he dodged a bullet with um, Nicola Rivera of Stoughton, a nationally ranked wrestler, uh, who had a sophomore who has not lost in his high school career, opting to go down to 120 pounds. So he won't have to worry about running into um, Rivera at 126. However, uh, he has Jaeger Aish of Kakana on his half of the bracket. And those two, um, Aish, I see to be very even. I've seen him at Cheesehead. I saw him compete at Cheesehead, I should say. Um, believe he took second at Cheesehead as I'm looking through here. Yes, he's, he was runner-up at Cheesehead, and, and he has really been a quality wrestler for Kakana, one of their top lightweights all year. If those two would meet 
Um, I think it would be an excellent match, probably one of the top matches of the tournament. So it's certainly one I'm looking at. Um, looking over my notes here, I do not believe those two hit at Cheesehead, despite the fact that they were both there. Um, so it would be awesome to see a match between Hayden Halter and Jaeger Aish of Kakana. Uh, before we kind of move on to some other things, are, are there any matches between, or, or potential matches, I guess I should say, any potential matches between cha uh, previous champions or uh, wrestlers that come in unbeaten? Are there any of those possibilities? Well, there are only, and it's funny you mentioned that because I'm putting it together for a story for the site. Um, but yes, there are. there is a chance that two state champions could meet. Um, there's only one opportunity for that to happen, which is pretty incredible considering there are 20 former state champs in this year's field. The only place they could meet would be the D2 title match at 120 pounds, and that would be Blaine Brenner of Stanley Boyd Owen Withy and Tommy Larson of East Troy. Um, they could meet for a title at 120 pounds. They also um, are the only two undefeated wrestlers who could meet um, who could meet in the state finals. Um, Larson has seen limited action this year. I believe he's only 10 and 0. Um, so that would tell me he has wrestled the conference tournament and obviously had to wrestle regionals and sectionals to get this far. Um, but those are some of the highlights in that regard. How common is that, or how how uncommon is it? I guess for defending or previous champions to meet at state or unbeaten uh, wrestlers to meet at state? Looking back on the last few years of data, I tried putting together at least some rough stuff in preparation for our chat, as well as for the, the story that's going to be up on with sports. Um, it actually doesn't happen as often as you would think. Um, even last year, there were not many instances where undefeated wrestlers were, were hitting at any point in the tournament or that returning champions met. Uh, and this year, I thought for sure we were going to see some more. At 126, for instance, there was a point this year where Nicola Rivera, who was a state champ, was in there. Uh, Hayden Holter, who I mentioned before at Waterford, was in there, a two-time state champ. And then um, Edward Wilkowski of Watertown, who was a runner-up last year, was in there. And it's like, oh, boy, that this could really, I mean, if these three hit, this is... You, the kind of thing you don't see very often. I thought there were a lot of weight classes where this could potentially happen. But then looking through everything in the research I did, you know, a lot of guys did a very good job of picking their lane and picking their lane properly. Um, and what I mean by that is once you start the state tournament series at a particular weight, you are locked into that weight for the remainder of the individual state tournament series, regional, sectional, state. And Essentially, you have to make that decision as a wrestler based upon where you think, A, you can legally weigh in at, and B, what your best opportunity to win is. And sometimes these decisions get made in a vacuum, and all of a sudden you made the same decision that one of your top rivals also made, and now you're going to hit a bunch of times between now and the state finals. That largely did not happen this year. Um, I thought this year was kind of going to be the exception to the rule, um, and we'd see a few more of those matchups, but it's actually not as common as one would think, I guess, to tie a bow on it. For those of us not in the wrestling community and that have not gone through this process, um, as you said, there, there are decisions that, that kids make on where they want, uh, what weight class they want to wrestle at, et cetera. Does it ever involve conversations with someone from another school or one of the, the wrestlers that they could potentially meet up with of, Hey, I'm going to go up if you want to stay down or, or vice versa. Does, does that ever happen? I cannot prove that that has ever happened, but 
putting a few pieces of the puzzle together, I think I can safely assert that the likelihood of those conversations happening has become higher in recent years. And there's, there's a specific reason I say that. We're seeing the dawn of, of regional training centers of sorts. That's more of a college and senior level word or term. But we're seeing these academies, these clubs, where athletes train from all around a region uh, together, often during the season, in season, postseason, year round for most of these athletes that I'm referring to. And you see a place like, like Ashburn Wrestling Academy, who has several locations, but their home location in southeast Wisconsin, who brings in wrestlers from most of the east half of the state, and it's a lot of the elite ones. And while I cannot prove that these conversations between whether it's coaches or athletes themselves have happened, I think it's fair to assume that when these guys and gals train side by side as frequently as they do these days, I think it's it's very likely that these conversations either happen directly or there's a little bit of prodding for information between the wrestlers kind of trying to do their due diligence and get uh, and get whatever intel they can to make the best decision they can. That's not to say that there's any type of collusion or any type of agreements being made, but I think just the natural curiosity of the human mind and the opportunity uh, as a competitor to per- perhaps gain an advantage with the information you can collect, I'd, I'd have a hard time believing that a few of those conversations have not happened over the years, especially recently. We're talking with Nate Wolfel, the uh, wrestling contributor at WSN, previewing the individual wrestling tournament that comes up this Thursday through Saturday at the Cole Center. Uh, you, you talked about some of the outstanding potential matchups and, and uh, rematches and things like that. Is there a weight class that you look at as being the toughest overall? Man, that, you know, I guess the, the fact that I am struggling to answer this tells me no. It's a boring answer, but I don't know that there's one particular one that is just insanely tough over the rest. But I do think that um, I do think that this is kind of a cop out answer. But a lot of the D1, uh, a lot of D1 brackets have some very very stacked talent, and also have a very tough bracket makeup. Um, they wrestle that extra, being D1 schools, they wrestle that extra round Thursday afternoon. So your path to state over the course of the state tournament series is not any longer than anyone else's. But while you're at the Cole Center, it is more of a grind. You're wrestling two matches Thursday. Um, and if you're a winner in those two matches, you actually have off till Friday night when you're wrestling the state semifinals. It's this weird combination of having that extra match where you need to get up for two matches quickly. You don't have a lot of time to get comfortable. I mean, that's every wrestler, but the back-to-back match thing is unique to D1, at least on that first day. And then if you're a winner, you kind of have to pump the brakes and be in cruise control till Friday night when you're wrestling for a chance to go to a D1 state title match. And then if you win, you have almost a 24-hour layoff till you're wrestling again for a state title. And I think that that unique makeup makes it interesting and, and, and difficult. In terms of specific weights, you look at some of the weights where there are nationally ranked wrestlers. Um, and, and D1 has a handful of those as well. Um, Keegan O'Toole, who we have not spoken about yet, you want to talk difficult Difficulty top to bottom is is abound. All those options for brackets to pick, as I'm struggling for words here, there are so many options for brackets to pick if you want to talk top to down talent. But if you want to talk about the hardest ones to win because there's one guy standing in the way of you in a title, D1-160, Keegan O'Toole going for number four, trying to be the 18th four-timer in state history, ranked number one in the country at 160 pounds by most wrestling outlets. He may be in the 10 years I've been covering or almost 10 years I've been covering high school wrestling in Wisconsin. I've been fortunate enough to see a handful of four timers. He may be one of the toughest, if not the toughest. Um, And I think that you want to talk about difficulty of winning a bracket. I don't know if anybody is getting through Keegan O'Toole at 160 pounds. 
All right. So I, I think I've seen you talk about this or maybe even write about this at different times, but um, is if there was such a thing, who would be the best wrestler, best couple wrestlers that are going for a title that have not won yet? And, and obviously we won't include freshmen in that and, and maybe we'll stick to upperclassmen, but is there anybody that you know has been ranked really highly their whole career, maybe come up short at state, that would have that title best wrestler without a title so far? I think I looked at, there are a couple heavyweights across divisions that I am surprised um, have not won a title. And as I am trying to make sure that I'm going to give you accurate information here, but there there are a handful of them. Um, Gabe Wortel or Wortel of of Denmark is one of the first people that comes to mind in D2, has been ranked highly for a while. Um, And looking through some of his career results, you know, and I don't even know if I would call him the favorite going into this year. Um, he didn't place at state last year at 195, but was a sectional champion. Um, that was a year ago. Um, didn't place at state. Uh, did not place at state in 2018, even though he was runner up at sectionals. You know, that's the kind of kid where it's like, you know, he's racking up quite a few wins. Um, he he's now a three-time state qualifier. Hasn't placed either time. He has a, he has two sectional championships under his belt. If you include this year, um, that's one guy. He's a senior now, 38 and three. This is it. Uh, it is all or nothing for him, and I think that I think that is one of the people I would I would definitely highlight in terms of it. You know, you look at his results, you see you see how he has performed at big tournaments throughout the year and things of that nature, and you're just kind of surprised that he doesn't have one. And that's nothing personal against the kid. I think if anything, it's evidence of how tough it is to um, accomplish this task. Um, and I'm looking again at another heavyweight uh, another heavyweight uh, situation here in D1 is Colin Quick. Yeah, he's undefeated this year. I think this year, this may be the year for him as well. Uh, obviously, being undefeated sectional and regional champion this year, um, looking back at some of his results, you know, that's a kid that I think is poised to win a state title um, who up until this point uh, has not done that. So I think those are two people uh, Those are two people I would point to. And in fact, look, going back to um, Quick for a second, he didn't even qualify for state last year. But I do think... He's probably the he's probably the favorite, if not um, the second favorite or closest to a favorite as you can be um, in D1 because he also has Max Musin of Bayport to contend with in that bracket and um, that would be a very interesting matchup or a rematch to see. Quick and Musin actually met in the sectional final and I believe Quick beat him seven to one, um, but I don't think it would be not that that's lopsided. It's simply a decision. Um, in terms of what type of victory it is, but I, I think that it would be much closer the second time around. All right, so a lot of great stuff so far, and let's uh, kind of move our attention to some of the divisions in particular. And we're not going to go through every all 42 weight classes that are at state and, and do a full breakdown on those, but let's kind of look division by division, and we'll start with Division One. What are some of the overarching storylines that maybe you haven't touched on yet, um, or uh, any of the outstanding wrestlers that maybe we haven't re- uh, mentioned yet? that are going for, uh, going for things here in division one. Um, I think I've mentioned, I, I know I've mentioned both these guys on the periphery, but I think I want to go into a little more detail in D one, uh, with the first person, uh, with the first person being Nicolar Rivera. It's not so much that he's a sophomore going for state title number two, not to minimize that. That's an incredible accomplishment. He hasn't lost in his high school career and it's getting to that point in his career and there's two two things I'll add on to this. One is that it's getting to the point in his career where you start earmarking someone as particularly special when they haven't lost yet. 
And what I will add to that is that being undefeated in high school wrestling, particularly in Wisconsin, isn't quite what it used to be. And that is because nowadays with more and more matches, while you would think that makes things harder, um, the quality of the competition has the opportunity to be so much higher than it used than than it has been in the past. So if you are if you are undefeated, one of two things happen. Either your team has wrestled out of state and you have been incredible or have wrestled at a cheese head that brings in out of state talent. Um, and you have been incredible and have been even better than some of the undefeated wrestlers in the past have been. Or it's a sure sign that your team has wrestled a crap ton of matches, but hasn't really wrestled anybody. And I think we have, we have both camps represented the state tournament. I think there are of the 20 undefeated wrestlers that we're going to see um, this upcoming weekend. I think there are a couple who may not have wrestled the toughest schedules who might be in for a rude awakening at the Cole Center. But I also see some like Rivera, Nicola Rivera, who he and his Stoughton squad have wrestled at all the big tournaments, have wrestled out of state, have wrestled out of state competition, and have done that for two years now. This kid hasn't lost yet. Um, and it's starting to it's starting to the hype train is starting to leave the station that this one might be especially, especially good. And so that's something, someone to highlight in D1. I think um, looking at Jalen Spooler of Hartford, looking for another state title. He's up at 138. He won the 132 title last year. Um, Dejun Johnson of Whitefish Bay, nationally ranked wrestler, going for a title at 170. And I don't think anyone's going to stop him. Um, he won he won a state title at 160 a year ago. And then we met we mentioned uh, Max Mewson before. That was the other guy I wanted to circle back with. The fact I did not drop in with his loss to Colin Quick at sectionals, Mewson was the state champ last year. He beat uh, um he beat Keanu Benton from Jamesville Craig in the state finals last year, a year ago. Um, so Mewson is a is a guy to a guy to look out for as well too. So I think those are some of the the top highlights I look at there in terms of returning champs or in terms of uh, guys to keep an, an eye out for who will be exciting to watch. One more to name drop is Sam Skillings of Menominee in D1, um, University of Minnesota commit. Um, nationally ranked guy, depending on the platform you look at and use. Um, sometimes doesn't get the due he should because you know, up in that part of the state, they're kind of in their own little world largely. Um, but a quality wrestler who has performed at the national level in all three disciplines, freestyle, folk style, and, uh, and Greco at some point in his career, um, another person to watch out for in D1 for sure. All right, let's uh, move on to Division Two. What are some of the overarching storylines there? Well, you have, you have uh, Maddie Bianchi of Two Rivers, who has sort of quietly accumulated two state titles as an underclassman and you want to talk about whispers and hype train building up um is going for number three and he's only a junior so if you do the math he'll be the guy we're talking if this works out his way he will be the guy we're talking about at this time next year is the chance to make history and join a very exclusive club not to jinx it if you believe in those sorts of things um but maddie bianchi a a d1 recruit he's actually committed to a a program arkansas little rock is a a new division one program they're in their first year of operation this year um but that's where he's committed already as a junior. He is a nationally ranked prospect or a nationally ranked wrestler as well. Um, so I think he's definitely got to keep an eye out for. We mentioned Medora at 145 and the, the potential rematch with Skulls. Um, another young guy I really like, Clayton Whiting of O'Connell Falls. Now, he took a loss at sectionals, but he won the 152-pound title as a freshman a year ago. That's rare to see a freshman making the amount of noise he did at such a high up weight class. 
usually an indicator that, that there's a very bright future ahead for that person. I'm interested to see, he hasn't lost a whole lot in his two years at the high school level. I'm interested to see how he rebounds and if he can find his way back to the top of the podium. And I believe he can just a heck of a wrestler to watch. He's a lot of fun. Um, and then Jake Rowell of Medford who won it at two twenty last year, um, looking for back to back only has two losses on the year. Um, uh, just another person to keep an eye on at the D2 race, uh, another one of those higher level uh, of wrestlers that definitely are deserving of your attention if you're able to uh, give it during the weekend. Last but not least, and, and uh, you know, some of the best wrestlers, some of the best matches obviously come from some of the smaller divisions, but that's where we'll wrap things up for our division preview anyway. Division three. Um, anything notable there from an individual standpoint, from you know, the, the number of wrestlers that, uh, on a team that, that might be able to make a podium, anything like that to watch for in Division Three this weekend? I think just kind of sticking with the theme of the individuals that we haven't talked about, I haven't mentioned Cole Marco of St. Croix Falls yet, who another guy who won a relatively higher weight as a freshman, um, who has a very nice record. He won 138 last year. Um, he's 33-1 and one this year at 145. And another young guy, you know, to win four, you got to win two. Uh, you got to win one first, obviously, but then you got to win two. And I think that um, he has a good chance of doing it. By no means is it a foregone conclusion. I think there are a few state titleists that might be foregone conclusions. Um, however, I'm looking at D3, and I don't want to tread too much into the team race part in case you want to get to that portion later. But uh, Coleman has been a very, very solid team all year, and they've got 10 state qualifiers. And I think they've got a few kids who are threats to win titles, and I think they have a lot of kids who are threats to win podiums. Um, and then Fenimore and Random Lake each have nine. Random Lake comes out of not, and it's not their fault, but Random Lake comes out of what most would consider a weaker regional and sectional. Um, not that that nine should mean less, but I think it's something that needs to be spoken about. It's context that needs to be provided because I think having nine out of the sectional Random Lake came from is very different than having nine from the sectional that Fenimore came from, which I regard to be um, by either measuring ranked wrestlers or, or, or just the old fashioned eyeball test, a much tougher regional and sectional. Um, so I think just a little context there, I expect Fenimore to be a team that is in the mix for a team title, a team state in the coming weeks as well. But um, they have a high number of wrestlers who are, they wrestle one of the toughest schedules of anybody in the state, particularly in D3. If there's a team that is ready to put a bunch of, uh, a bunch of wrestlers on the podium at state, I Fenimore would be one of my first choices. All right. Great stuff there, Nate. Uh, before we let you go, just kind of give us a preview of uh, what folks can expect in that uh, content that you're talking about that's going to be coming out on WSN here. So the first thing that I am just putting the finishing touches on, a little bit of a notes package that does highlight some of the things you and I talked about, but also goes in depth on a few more items. Um, just trying to add a little more context is the preview article uh, from the WIA that you posted earlier in the week. So a little bit of a notes package, and along with that will be my predictions for those of you who want them. Um, I was 76% last year, which is nothing I'm going to beat my chest about. But hey, this is hard, and we're going to give it another try and see if we can at least break that 80% threshold on the <laughs> predictions this year. Um, and then during during the week, um, you can expect to see some notebooks of just what's happening, um, just highlights, high-level stuff of here's what to keep an eye on. And then Saturday, um, going to be down there, going to be uh, doing a few interviews. I usually do a metal round notebook of some of the guys who ended their career on a high note or maybe not on a high note and getting some thoughts there. And then we'll cover um, we'll cover the state championship matches, obviously, and talk to those uh, talk to those who either make history or come close to making history or who are maybe on their way to making history. And um, that's always an exciting day. It's a long day, but a very exciting day. So that's what people can uh, can look forward to throughout the upcoming week. 
And for those that want to follow along live, obviously there's many avenues to do so, whether it's uh, uh, the stream online for some of the pre-finals, the uh, finals that are aired on FS Wisconsin, following along on the live results, etc., but also following along, uh, following along on social media. Where can they follow you on social media this weekend, Nate? You can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Wolfel. That's W-O-E-L-F-E-L. Um, and I will be definitely, there will be tweets. I can promise you there will be tweets. <laughs> there will be tweets. That should be our uh, tagline for all of WSN, I think. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right, Nate, great stuff. Uh, really uh, looking forward to this weekend and seeing all of the uh, incredible wrestling action at the Cole Center. Uh, again, folks, if you can, get out and check it out. Um, follow along at least you know check out the finals on fs wisconsin an incredible uh, site as the uh, march of champions begins things prior to the state championship matches on saturday evening he's been nate wolfel he is nate wolfel i am travis wilson this has been a wsn podcast we'll see you at a game